but for a long time people would say i don't know if i could have the i don't i don't know if i'd have the attitude that you have from that wheelchair you know hi uh i appreciate it that's uh another affirmation for me to keep shining the light what would you say to someone that wants to get started rodeoing specifically rough stock welcome ladies and gentlemen rodeo time the podcast we've got the world's greatest and guests dale brisby Sage Newman, J.R. Verzane, incredible stories. I'd like to thank Rock and Roll Denim for um, bringing us this podcast today. So the Reflex, your boy Dale Brisby wears the double barrel, straight, Reflex Denim. That way it gives me the extra mobility that I need to not only spur bulls, but ranch my face off. So thank you to Rock and Roll Denim. We've got two high-caliber rodeo athletes here, Mr. Sage Newman, Mr. J.R. Verzane. Um, what are you guys doing today? You told me yesterday afternoons are better. What y'all been doing today? Um, today we've been taking it pretty easy, but usually we, um, we've been hanging out this Aaron Brookshire cow horse. has been riding a few cow horses and doing a little bit of that. It's only like an hour away. Is that? Are you living close by, J.R.? We're just uh, came down here winter and down here. Yep. Okay. So we got down here the end of January, I guess. Been down here for a couple months. Nice. So you're going to go back to where for, back, for the summer? Back to Melstone, go back home, turn grass cattle out here in a couple weeks. Yes, sir. Once the snow melts and <clears throat> grass gets green. It'll be pretty warm here this summer. I hear it's going to be a hot one. You're not You're not crazy about Texas summers? Um. I don't mind them. I came down here a couple times last summer, spent a week on and off, and it was dang sure hot. I don't, you know, the biggest thing about it is it didn't cool off was the only real difference. Back home, we get 102, but it'll get 60 at night. Here, it was 105 in the day and 90 at night. That's what sucked. Yeah. So, I'm not huge on Texas summers, no, but I couldn't cuss them either. They weren't that bad. Yeah. I don't mind the heat. August and September, July and August are pretty daggum hot here, early September. But um, seems like there's a lot of still a lot of good rodeos here in August. Uh, pro rodeo wise, it'd be like Denton and some of those. But anyway, speaking of, where are you going next, Sage? So I'll go to uh, the San Angelo Short Go this Friday, and then the shootout Saturday. I guess Logandale, Nevada. I go there Thursday, so I'll fly up to Logandale. Thursday, fly back Thursday night, get in about 5 o'clock, go to San Angelo Short, go San Angelo Shootout, and then we'll head to California, Red Bluff and Clovis. Who's we? Uh, so I'm going with Chase Brooks, Tanner Butner, and Colby Wanchuk. Y- you've been going with them, right? Yes, sir. That's yeah. been our crew. Yeah, we had Butner in here uh, a, maybe a month, six weeks ago, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, the guy. It sounds like y'all all get along pretty well and... Yeah, we we mesh pretty good. It's, it's a it's a good good crew. He was making. Is it Colby or Chase? That's kind of the uh, <clears throat> kind of helps decide where you guys are going to uh, like go and whatnot. Yeah, Chase. He kind of he's kind of our secretary. He kind of enters everywhere and secretary, like, <laughs> dad maybe. <laughs> yeah, dad. He's <laughs> he's dad mode. So he tells us where we're going and what we're doing. So yeah, we just have to get in and go. I'm actually really surprised Sage could tell you where he's going this weekend coming up. Yeah, really? That's, that's actually, a big step for you. You're Sage. that guy in the rig? Uh, no, that's actually Tanner. But <laughs> yeah, Tanner. It, all of us really were just like, 
we just kind of depend on Chase to tell us where we're going and what we're doing. Right. Um, <laughs> being roommates with Jacobs Crawley, I'd run around with. Uh, usually, when they took off with the four man buddy group, it'd be Jacobs, uh, Sterling, Dean Wadsworth, Jeremy Melanson. And uh, I'd go with them a lot in the spring and the fall. But uh, Jacobs was always, is and always has been the ringleader. And it's just like, Jeremy, <clears throat> he would be at the bottom of the totem. Like, he wouldn't even know what horse he's getting on, you know, till he got there. And then don't ask him what the rain was even the next day. Yeah. But Jacobs was always pretty good about, and we were all okay with just letting him have that role. That's Tanner, I think. When was that? Was it? Oh, Tanner's horrible. Was it Fort Worth? Shelby had to wake him up to go to the rodeo <laughs> that night. He was short round. Short yeah. round, yeah. Whenever he set the arena record. Uh, yes. It might have been that night, yeah. <laughs> we we were gonna go with him, and we get we're up. Brian Colt said, "Well, yeah, we might. What time are you leaving?" He said, "Oh, probably around five. Well, we weren't all the way done yet. So by the time we got down there, we kind of decided we weren't gonna go that evening." And I figured he was gone. She went in the house, and she's like, no, Tanner's still sleeping. Should I wake him up? And I said, he's a big boy. I'm sure he's got his alarm set or something. She's like, I don't know. I better go wake him up. So she went in there and woke him up. Oh, geez, Louise, what time is it? <laughs> Holy crap, I got to get going. <laughs> <laughs> went and won it, yeah. Good thing he, good thing she did so he could <laughs> set the record. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's pretty funny. funny. That's how Butner is. So he's Yeah, just laid back. Yeah. All laid right, back. well, I guess I'm going to go set an arena record today. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what's the vibe like in your rig? Uh, we're just. I'd like to thank uh, Rock and Roll Denim for bringing us the uh, for 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 clothing us. We'd all be pantless right now. We'd be literally naked from the waist down if it wasn't for Rock and Roll Denim bringing us this podcast. Now back to the story. Happy go lucky. Just go have fun mostly. You know, like nothing, not too uptight. Just. Go do your job, and if it don't work out, there's always another one, you know, just on to the yeah. next one. So, um, What kind of, I mean, like, you guys get in there. I noticed going to rodeos, There's, it's crazy the different mentalities. I mean, just like, it's, it's, it's almost cliche, the different mentalities in amateur rodeoing and pro rodeoing. What's it like in that rig? Um, after maybe a few of the guys have bucked off, like what's it like going down the road? Like ha how are you guys talking to each other, and what's those conversations like? Um, honestly, it's just <clears throat> I mean we do feed off each other, so like I mean we'll tell each other what what you did wrong or what we thought you did wrong, but we'll even joke about it, you know, mess around and like you know we don't make it too serious. I mean, like I say, we know what we usually know what you did wrong or what happened, you know. So I mean, it's not like we're gonna hound you on it, but um. Yeah, just, I don't know, we're pretty laid back and, you know, stuff happens on to the next one. Like, you just, you have to have a short-term memory, you know. You're one thing I noticed about, like, Amy rodeoing was, like, it was never that person's fault. Like, it's like, it's always the horse. The horse did this or the horse, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, like, ah, he kind of had this kind of trip, you know, you'll get it. Yeah, and it, and they're trying to be nice, but on the other hand, like, if it's never your fault, then how are you going to get any better? Exactly. Yeah, no, we're not like that. I mean, you should be able to make any horse, you know, good. I mean, that's I mean, that's that's how it should be, I feel like. I mean, that's what we try to do. I mean, even, even if it's a bad horse, 
go try to make it the best you can. If it's a 78-pointer, go try to get an 84, 85 out of you. You know, I mean, it's dang sure possible, you know. So, What is this year? How does how, how are you feeling on 2023? Um, it's been really good. I had a good winter. Um, been drawing some great horses and feeling good. Um, ready to keep it rolling. Yeah. <coughs> it's easy to feel good at the top, Dale. Oh, I, you're telling Noah about the flood. <laughs> Um, tell me about your cow horse training, Jr. Oh, it's been a dream come true, man. Um, so that was uh something I always wanted to get into whenever I was done rodeo and just grew up training colts and stuff and cowboying and whatever else. And in 2014, at uh, the very first American, um, I was going with RC Landingham at the time and his stepdad Ty Skyver. Um, the world's greatest was going on over at the Coliseum and he said let's go watch some of that so we did now looking back on it like that was my first taste of anything cow horse ever really Um, now looking back on it it it's probably the non-pro classes or whatever that we were watching but I was dating my wife Shelby we were dating at the time and she asked me how it was I said this is so cool when I'm done rodeo and this is what I want to do and it wasn't ever necessarily that I wanted to go show or any of that, but I wanted to go get around as many high-end horse trainers as I could and learn from the greats and just hone in on my horseman skill. So uh, three years ago now, I guess, I did a podcast with Marcus and Morgan Luttrell, the Team Never Quit podcast. Oh, yeah. And at the end of the podcast, they asked me what I'd be doing if the wreck hadn't happened. And I said, well, I'm doing everything I'd be doing regardless <laughs> of the wreck other than... Um, I always had a dream of getting in the rain and cow horse world when I was done rodeo. And so when I get walking again, that's what I'm going to do. And to further the story, two weeks. So that's been my biggest frustration since the wreck is, uh, the horse riding, horse training, horse side of my life looking different. Like at the bottom of my core, I've done a lot of soul searching the last four and a half years. And at the bottom of my core, I'm a horseman at heart. And so... My two-year-olds were standing out in the yard, and I was frustrated. I was the one wanting to be out there starting them and get them rode, and I was banging my head off the wall in the leather shop, wishing that I could be the one that was doing it and frustrated that I was going to have to send them off to somebody else to get them rode and get them started. And Aaron Brookshire <clears throat> listened to that podcast, the Team Never Quit podcast, and he heard that, and we had a couple mutual friends in common, but he didn't know me, and I didn't know him from Adam. And he called me up out of the blue and said, uh, tracked my number down and called me. He said, 95% of my non-pros don't know how to use their legs anyways. So if you're willing, he said, I think we can get it figured out. So that started last March, be a year ago last March. I just, back at home, started getting serious about riding again. Like, I've, I've always rode since the wreck. I branded and tried to do a little team roping, this, that, or the other thing. But we just started getting around my horse, seeing what I could get done. Well, I had a, I had a mare that wasn't melting to the program. And so at the end of Brandon season last year, last June, I guess, she fired me off. She, I'd been riding her dang near every day, and one day I got on her, and she quit the earth. And she, the bucking wasn't no big deal. She was just kind of crow hopping out across her, and I'm seatbelted in, right? So that didn't wor- worry me at all. But she cold-jawed the crap out of me and was running smooth off and couldn't get her turned. Well, she'd ha- I'd had a couple controlled runaways on her prior to this. So I thought if I could get her to hit the fence, then – She'd stop and it'd be good. Well, she got to the fence and duck dive, duck dive, and she went right and I went left. Saddle started sliding and was reaching for my trip. And big tree was coming. Well, kind of covered up and ducked. And the 
my seatbelt ended up breaking and come off. Sage went and bailed on her and gut punched her. Then she wouldn't do anything. Well, then I was mad and got on her, took the long loop, tried to rope every big calf in the Brandon Pen I could, was trying to kill her, honestly. And at the end of the day, we had a family meeting, and they said, how come of all the people here, you're the only one still on a bronc? And if you're going to be serious about this, why don't you go get a good one? So my pride was hurt a little bit, but I called Aaron. I said, what do you think about me selling this mare and going and getting a prospect or something? And uh, he said, I think it's a great idea. So I made a couple trips down here and tried some in his barn and just slowly progressed into this. We moved down here and wintered down here. Sage actually ended up buying that mare for, from me and helped me get uh, get another one bought. And we made some life changes at home. We sold the cows last fall and swapped to yearlings. We're going to try running yearlings this year. And so just letting the Lord work it out, man. It's been, yes, a, been a dream come true. Been getting to get around a lot of the bad to the bone horse trainers. Went and rode with Casey Deary the other day. We've been up to Austin Blake's trying to get over to Chris Dawson's, been to Chris Cox's and <clears throat> learning all I can and trying to figure it out, man. What, uh, what year did you start riding bucking horses? Oh, geez. Um, <clears throat> so I'd have been, it would have been my eighth grade summer. I graduated in 10, so I would have started in six, would have been 2005. Yeah. <clears throat> so whenever I was hanging around, we were down there. I think you had, maybe it was Clint Cannon's bareback school. Yep. Uh, my dad brought some horses to it and. I don't know. The first time I met you, we had a little black and white paint you got on there, and I'm sure you don't remember it, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I have, I actually have pictures of that horse. <laughs> I didn't know that was yours. That's yeah. crazy. They're at that the, at, little at horse, kind of yep. small. Uh, she bucked for a little while. I think she probably stopped after I you have, started. I'll, I'll have, now that I know that, I'll have to send you the picture. She's four Damn. foot in the air. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a wild, rank, cool picture. Hopefully, is 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 my old man in the background? Hopefully, flanking. I, I'll no. Have to. He would have been picking up. Okay. Oh well, yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyways, that would be cool if there's one of those. But, um. Anyways, I remember you then, like just thinking like this dude is dirty tough. Where'd this redhead come from? What year was that? That would have been like maybe oh eight nine ish. It would have been later than that actually. <clears throat> Might have been. Think. Well, because that would have been it would have been like ten. What is it? Yeah, it would have been my permit year. <clears throat> yes. Okay, that's what that's what it was the start of. It was the start of something, but obviously you'd been on bareback courses. It was the start of pro rodeoing is I, what it was. I, it was I'd your come permit down to year. college down here at Vernon and went over there. <clears throat> and then just walk me through the progression of, of, of like your your rookie year and how that how that went, if you don't mind. Oh yeah. Um rookie year, so I never wanted to go to school. As far as college, I was just going rodeoing. I knew exactly what I wanted to be since I was a little kid, and that was rodeo, train horses, and run cows. It's what I wanted to do my whole life. And the dream. The dream. And uh, so I, I wanted to be a bull rider, so I did all three rough stock events through high school and college, actually. And then, but the bareback ride started progressing very young, 15, 16. I started figuring it out, and... It's what was paying for all my other right. bad habits, I guess you'd call them. But um, so then uh, Bobby Scott, he had talked to me my junior year. I won the high school finals my junior year, and he said you ought to come to college in Vernon. I said I don't think so. I college ain't for me. Um, then my senior year, late my senior year, um, they my mom talked me into going to school. So I called Bobby. I had a buddy, Caleb Basie, was going to school down there. Oh yeah. I, 
called Caleb and said, what do you think? He said, it's an awesome school. Called Bobby, said, absolutely. Um, my deal was I needed to be somewhere that I could go rodeo. And coming from Wyoming, <clears throat> I wanted to be able to go to 100 rodeos my rookie year. So I yeah. per- permit. I turned 18 in February, filled my permit right away, but I just rodeoed all my permit for that year, made the circuit finals, whatever, went to school the next fall down here at Vernon, um, and started my rookie year in uh, October, I guess October 1st. The first first uh rodeos on my um on my rookie card were was Tulsa actually and here's a little unknown fact I won the all-around up there actually placed third Dang. in the bull riding and fifth or sixth in the bronc riding and won the bareback <laughs> riding up there but um it was uh, I think the only the only one since Ty Murray that had won it in the rough stock hand at Tulsa Dang right but anyways um I had a super good winner that winter um then my mentor uh from back home was Kelly Timmerman. So oh, yeah. he said, and that's how I got hooked up at Clint's school, actually. He said, go down to Clint's. But anyways, he said, when you turn 18, get a hold of me, we'll go rodeo. So, well, so I came down here, winter rodeoed, had a super good winter. Shoot, made the short round at San Antonio, made short round at Austin. I think I won 30, 40,000 that winter. And then um, that summer, uh, went up for the college finals, won the college finals, and then jumped in with Kelly after that and started at Reno. Um, Kelly ended up getting hurt at like San Juan late in August. And, uh, so I finished the end of the season on my own. I ended up missing the finals, I think by 13,000 year, ended up 18th that year. And then what year was that? That would have been 2011. Okay. Um, and then Kelly had talked me into, he was then coaching at Casper. He was the assistant and um, he said, why don't you come back to school in Casper the next year? So I transferred up to Casper. So that would have been about the time that I started seeing you less because I was in Texas. Because I remember, like, meeting you that summer in 10 is when it would have been, and then uh, seeing you, and then just watching your career unfold, like, as a fan from, you know, because we weren't, both in Texas, but anyway, yep, no. I'm just I, that that explains it why why I didn't see you as much after that. Well, yeah. So then the next winter, I came down here and pro rodeo and college in Wyoming weren't working, so went rodeo. And yeah, went back in the spring and had another good winter. Went back in the spring and uh, told them I wasn't going to do school anymore. And that yeah, was, that was the first year I made the finals. Was twelve. Yeah, and then. Uh, Went to the finals how many times? Um, well, with the year I got hurt was six, but competed five. Yeah. What year? What year did you get hurt? Eighteen, Jones. September eighteen. Pasadena? Pasadena. Is that okay? I remember it was October, right? September, September twenty second. Yeah. Damn. Um, seems like yesterday. Dang, you're five years. It's crazy. Dang, five years. Four and a half right now, yep. Time flies. It does. What <clears throat> what's been some of the, the some of the lessons that you've learned that you think <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're since a wreck? Yeah. Or just in life? I guess both. Uh man, uh appreciate the small things. Yeah. Don't take life for granted, but live it to the fullest, you know? Um don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Right away, so I got hurt, and she, well, she, my wife told me she was pregnant September 1st, and I was hurt three weeks later. So 
So everybody thinks I'm the rock star, but she did eight months of pregnancy and rehab hospitals and yeah, was out of the spotlight, right? <laughs> like yeah. this was a, but the worries, the stresses, the fears of how the heck am I going to be able to co-parent a kid from a wheelchair? You have all those and my little boy loves me and I don't know, man. I've, I've learned a lot. Patience. Yeah. Um, but right away I learned, uh, be careful what you're complaining about. Cause there's somebody out there praying, wishing they had what you have. Yes, sir. And, uh, somebody's always got it worse, right? Yeah. So I'm from T9, T10, so belly button down. And as hard as I worked at it to be blunt and real, I've got minimal back as far as the work that I've put into it as far as trying. And I haven't given up and I still believe that I will beat this deal, but, um, with the rehab hospitals we were in, there was, I mean, brain injuries that didn't even recognize their family. There was guys that were quads that were having to put their brand new babies on a pillow on their lap that they couldn't pick up and hold and all the things. So that was right away. Find the little things to be thankful for and be careful what you're complaining about because there's somebody out there praying, wishing they had what you have. Damn. I didn't even know how to really ask that. I just, I know that... <clears throat> Ever since 2018, there's probably, I didn't know you all that well, but it's, you're probably, it's amazing to me how little I knew you, but in the last five years, how much I've thought about you. And that's what makes me ask, you know, like being a rodeo cowboy and there's other rodeo cowboys listening, I think, you know, like. I uh, think about you a lot, and uh, I just, I've just, I've just been curious of that, like your mindset, and I didn't know how to ask. Well, you know, I, uh, I appreciate it. That's uh, another affirmation for me to keep shining the light because I, uh, well, cowboy way. I actually put a post on here not too long ago to be sharing the story a little bit more because cowboy what well. For one, <clears throat> pride-wise, I like working in behind closed doors and showing everybody the finished product. And uh, the other side of me is I'm not very technological, so running some of that stuff is drives me nuts anyways. But, no, it's affirmation that I need to be shining the light, man. God give me a chance. You can either cry in your Cheerios and complain about it or get out of bed, try to wiggle your toes and get on, you know? Yeah. So I've learned a lot of life lessons, man. There hasn't been one thing that I haven't been able to to do that uh, that I put my mind to since the wreck. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that I complain about. There's plenty of stuff that have been way harder that take me way longer. But anything that I've wanted to do, I've found out a way to do. Yes, sir. So where there's a will, there's a way. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. And I've had to learn how to accept help. That's yeah. a that's a hard thing for a man and a hard thing for a cowboy is how to accept help and be thankful of somebody blessing you so yeah. i've had to i've had to learn how to swallow my pride and <clears> say <throat> thanks and my brother-in-law here is he'll be my hero forever man um when i first got hurt we we were shoot we had just bought um the yearling ewes from my in-law so we were up to a thousand sheep and i had i don't know 150 200 cows and was worried about how I was going to be able to do that. And right away, we were eight months and nine months in rehab hospitals. And it was like, just sell everything. We'll figure it out, da-da-da-da-da. And everybody back home, my in-laws and uh, 
sage everybody took care of stuff and then whenever i did get home it was it was hard right because that's when that's when reality sunk in that mm-hmm. it was it was different it wasn't just the grinding every day trying to get walking again we came home to have have riot and uh that's when it was different it was hard and yeah. i went i don't know i went well i i mean up to be frank I, I prayed believing that i'd walk in three months and then i prayed again believing i'd walk in six and then when nine rolled around there came a time i was like it, i never prayed why me and i never asked why it happened or anything but what i did ask was uh I, i'll never forget it i was up on my four-wheeler overlooking the river at my in-laws place and sitting on my four-wheeler and I've tears are in my eyes and I was, I, I was asking why lord am i not getting what i feel like i deserve I've, I've never, my whole life, whatever I wanted, I went and worked for and I got it. And I've never worked at anything harder in my life. Why am I seeing so little? And the little still voice said, you got to trust my timing. And it was at that moment that I swallowed the pill and surrendered. It wasn't that I accepted this is the rest of my life, but I accepted the call. And the call was, you bet. Suck it up. Quit crying in your Cheerios and get on with it. And let's go impact people's lives. (laughs) Man, really, I, I get so much encouragement from just, I mean, you'll just post a video of like you riding a horse and you, there, there may not even be like a lot of motivational, like caption to it, just something small. And it's crazy what it does just to me alone. I can't imagine just everybody out there. In anybody else, you know, <clears throat> I, uh, because yeah, it's humbling, Dale. It, uh, I, it's, I take it as a compliment now, but for a long time, people would say, I don't know if I could have the, I don't, I don't know if I'd have the attitude that you have from that wheelchair. And it used to piss me off. It's like, I'm the same guy that you used to cheer for. I just look yeah. a little different now. You know, I still put my pants on the same way. One leg at a time. I'm just sitting down now. And I had to, I had to figure out what that meant. And I have a spiritual gift. I am an encourager and I have been since I was a little kid. Right. So it's very humbling for me when you say that because I'm like, who am I to inspire and encourage? Like, I'm, I'm not Casey Field. I never want a gold buckle. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the cow horse world, getting my feet wet, but I dang sure ain't no Chris Dawson. I can barely stay on the sucker, let alone yeah. make a fence turn. You know, so who am I to give you inspiration? Yeah. And, but I've, I've accepted the role and it's not about getting to the end goal so much as if I can do it, if I can set out and chase my dreams and, and crush goals, so can you. So don't, I shared one the other day, yesterday actually. It's like with Easter, I don't know, I was just really revealing that Jesus didn't just come to die for my sins, but he came to give me life and life abundantly. Mm-hmm. And I've had dark days. I've had depression. I've said the prayers of, Lord, please don't let me wake up tomorrow because I feel like everybody else around me would be better off without me. And he's dug me out of them, man. Yeah. Whether it was through my brother-in-law throwing me in the rig and saying, let's go, or people blessing me with the track chair, people bless me with medical bills, people bless me with the legs, whatever, you know, just, I've always had, and I think everybody will, whenever we need that life in us, the Lord will send us somebody to give us that life if we're receptive to it. Yeah. And if you, 
if I can't get out of bed, if if I can't accept their blessing to help me get better and chase my dream, that's all on me. Yeah. You know? So everybody could bless me with the legs, for instance, and if I didn't get up and use them, it still is hard. It's still a lot of work. I'm still sore whenever I get done using them. Yeah. But it's liberating. I mean, I'm walking again, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I could still I could still sit there and complain that I can't walk or I can strap the legs on and go. Yeah. When when you say, you, you're talking about just hypothetically or? No, you, le- legitimately. What do you mean she, strap the legs? Last last year, um, or I guess it <clears> was, <throat> I, yeah, I guess I'd have them for a full year in October. Um, they're uh, the Indigo, the walking skeleton. They're uh, a robot, basically, so. Mitch Pollock did a fundraiser. Lori O'Haver with Bronkrad Nation, they did a fundraiser. Um, uh, but, yeah, it comes in six pieces. I can put it on right in my wheelchair, but their legs, they help assist me walking. Okay. I think I may have seen a, a deal, but I, uh, a video, but I uh, I wasn't sure if that's what you were saying. I thought you might have been talking. <coughs> um, yeah, and James, it talks about rejoice in your suffering. And Easier said than done. Most of the time when I think about that, I am not immediately go to like a blown out tire on the side of the highway. Um, but you're talking about something different well, than that. Well, yes and no. I mean, <clears throat> you can complain about the blown out tire or you can be receptive to who stops and helps you fix that tire. And mm-hmm. maybe you just meet a new lifelong friend yes, or sir. maybe... Maybe that was one of the very first verses that I was shown after the wreck was, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, it gives it a chance to endure. And uh, when you endure, you'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And that's one of the main lessons I've learned is be thankful to small things. Keep your eyes open for the small things because that blown out tire might lead to some connection that you've been praying for for five years. Yeah. Or it might have saved you from a wreck an hour down the road, however yeah, long sir. it takes you to fix the tire. But we can, we all get stuck in that rap, right? Like, gosh dang it, I'm in a hurry. Shh. You can be pissed off at the blown-out tire. Or, what do you always say? Good, bad, who knows? Oh, yeah, the Chinese parable. Good news, bad news. I don't know. Yeah. How does that go? There's a story to it, isn't there? Um, yeah. <laughs> It's like a something about a. He has this horse. The constant, yeah. So uh, or something, yeah. He brings a horse back. The his the son brings a horse back, and uh, says, "It's good news. I found a horse." His dad says, "Well, good news, bad news. I don't know." So they're using them to farm, and the, and the horse gets out one day. So, well, shoot, bad news. Our horse got away. Dad says, well, good news, bad news, I don't know. So the boy goes looking for the horse and comes back with two. He says, Dad, look, two horses, it's good news. He says, good news, bad news, I don't know. So well, I'm going to break the second horse. So he gets on and goes to break the horse and gets bucked off and breaks his back. He says, oh, that's bad news. He said, good news, bad news, I don't know. Well, the constable comes and says, we're sending all the young boys to the war. But he didn't have to go because his back was broke, so... Oh, that's good news. Well, good news, bad news, I don't know. But if you go through life with good news, bad news, I don't know, just accept yeah. what is and be receptive to what can be. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. <clears throat> um, 
Max, bareback rider that got hurt. Does that ring a bell? Mm. <clears throat> Young kid named Max. I can't remember his full name. I have him on Snapchat. Every now and then, back in the day when I first got Snapchat, I would, like, make it live to where, like, anybody could Snapchat me. But there's this thing on Snapchat, like, if we Snapchat every single day for 123 days, it would have a 123, like, we had a streak Street. going. So I got to where, like, hundreds and thousands of kids would just send me a picture of the floor with an S on it for streaks. They wanted to get streaks. And so it just got annoying. Like, I'd have to open hundreds of Snapchats that were just pictures of the floor. Whatever. The point is, <clears throat> there was this one kid. I just, I don't know how it happened, but I happened to snap on this one kid. And, and uh, his name was Max. And I still Snapchat him to this day. Like, I Snapchatted him earlier today. And I, I friended him. and uh, But he, he was a bareback rider that had gotten hurt and... Is it is is in a wheelchair? I just didn't know if you'd know. I don't know Max. No, uh, Braxton <clears throat> Nielsen. He's one of my heroes. He uh, he beat it. Um, Sandy Cooper. He recently just got hurt too. Got bucked off Brown Cup in Canada. And actually, I think they got him taking steps too. Is that uh, Coulter Wall's friend? Yes. I think I made a video for him. Yeah. Yeah. There. Well, it's the same reason you wear a cowboy hat, right? You wear a cowboy hat for all the people that. Uh, wore it before you right it's the the legacy and the heritage there's there's plenty of them that have come before me that have done great things that inspire and encourage and and give back what they've been given right yeah uh, i mean look at jerome davis absolutely you know, I mean, there's and actually it's a it's crazy how the lord works but uh these guys have an uncle that got hurt in a bronc riding accident when uh when he was 19 he's been 40 years in a wheelchair ran 400 cows ran a ranch and he never, uh, he never let anything slow him down either. You know? yeah. And he's still a quad. He can barely feed himself. So that was really what gave me the you better get out of bed deal was being so close to my wife and my brother-in-law's law's uncle. He was a neighbor whenever we came back home. And it's like, if that guy can figure out how to do it, I better figure out how to do it. Yeah, at least I can get myself on the four-wheeler or the horse or whatever. Well, I want to ask you something for me like just in my, that I've been wondering like a long time for me. Um, you get to walking again, 100% healthy. Are you getting on another bareback horse? Oh, shoot. Who knows? I uh, cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. I wouldn't yeah. put it past me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's right. That's the answer I expected. Yeah. yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't miss rodeoing. Like I, I miss seeing my buddies on the daily, and I miss spurring bucking horses. That crave, that desire to. That's unexplainable, right? The feeling, the, like the in feeling the shoot, like, yeah. Right and, when and the fight's about to start, knocking one out of the ballpark, and yeah, feeling like you just laid a giant. You no, know? so I miss that, but I don't miss being on the road. 200 days a year i don't miss that grind i don't miss any of those things but i miss the rodeo family i miss seeing my rodeo family on the daily and being surrounded by those guys all the time and, <coughs> and that sort of thing but i uh at the actually i was getting to a spot in my career where shelby told me she's pregnant and i uh i didn't know if i could be away from 
my family that much while I was rodeoing. So I was getting to a spot where I was like, we need to sell everything so that I can get obsessed with this again because I had so many mm. irons in the fire, you know? Yeah. And the Casey Fields, the Tim O'Connells, the, those guys, they were, they were obsessed. And it wasn't that I didn't work at it because I had to. I wasn't naturally talented. I had to, I had to continually work at it. But I wasn't obsessed. When I'd come home, I'd go cowboying or go ride colts. Or yeah. the last thing I'd think about was rodeo. And you know, I needed a break. And but I was getting to the spot where I was like, I need to get obsessed with this and sell everything and go get a gold buckle because that was the only thing that I hadn't gotten yet that I had set out to get. Yeah. And so when you ask that, really, honestly, my truest desire, dream, and passion has always been training horses. And with this cow horse deal, um, I had to get serious about it too, because as it started to unfold, I was like, well, I was about to drop a bunch of money on a horse, like the most I'd ever spent on one ever in my entire life. And I'd spent my whole life making them and, um, I had to swallow some pride and change my perspective and change my view. But, uh, so I'd called Aaron actually. And I said, what's reality? Cause I'm kind of business minded. I said, this thing has to make money for itself if i'm gonna drop this much money on one and he's like well he's like it's it's always i will get you competitive i know we'll get you in the show ring we'll get you competitive but i maybe wouldn't look at it like that maybe treat it as a hobby and i got off the phone with him so he didn't tell me it was impossible but he also didn't want to fill me full of false hopes either you know and it didn't sit well with me so i talked to some other guys some other buddies of mine jason swick and he said, why, we can't put God in a box, man. It's like, who the heck knows what it's going to turn into? So yeah. I, I went and feverently did some soul searching and was like, how serious am I going to be about this deal? And what it came down to was prior to that, I had said that uh, I want to compete at the world's greatest horseman one day. And now that I knew a little bit about the game, I said, I want to be a million-dollar rider too. And I have to treat it that seriously because I'm hardwired that way. If I treat it like a hobby, I won't be serious enough Absolutely. about it and let let the Lord use it as it's going to be used, you know. So my vision has kind of changed. It's it's been it's been awesome because there's so much that is related to the uh, rodeo world as and the and the cow horse world. Like it's been and not that I had given up, not that I had quit working out or anything, but I was stuck in the mundane. I was plateaued and just kind of going through the motions in my workouts and stuff. And when I shoot for the impossible, I, I mean, competing at the world's greatest horseman is the impossible, right? Yeah. And, um, but I'm serious about that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that I've told a whole lot of people and as many far as you have, a lot of people know my, know my goal now, but, um, I don't mind it either because it holds me to it, but it just, it ramped up my workouts. It gave me that competitive drive of something to shoot for, that competition drive that I needed. And actually one, I'd called my uncle, who's my idol and my role model has been for my whole life. And I told him, yeah, I don't really care about showing. I, I, I doubt I'll show, but I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I want to learn how to make bridle horses. And uh, he said, oh no, you were made in the arena and you're made for the arena. And I kind of shook my head at him and was like, oh, I don't know, you, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, but I understand what he's saying now. And it wasn't that that's where I get my glory, but I was made for mm -hmm. that drive, that 
I don't know, just the gladiator it's the drive. Same. Yeah, you know? it's the same thing about your that feeling, feeling you were talking about spurring a bucket horse. horse. Yep. So I uh I, I I'm I'm dead serious about it. I'm I'm and but it's different because we're on to the next one. That's right. Uh, I'm not sure what the next one is, but on our way there, we're gonna look amazing. We're gonna feel amazing in uh, the the softest shirts you'll ever wear. And um, if you don't go to dalebrisby.com and snag a few shirts caps, then your parents are gonna get divorced, and it's gonna be your fault. So you got that on your conscience. Pow pow, and on to the next one. Uh when when I was rodeoing, I had expectations of myself, and then once you start winning. Other people have the same expectations of you, right, to win. And in this situation, nobody has expectations of me. Mm-hmm. They see me riding a horse, and that's good enough. They see me get in a show pen, that will be good enough, where that's not good enough for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's completely a different, I don't know, it's taking more self-drive, honestly, because... Everybody says, "Oh, that's okay." You know, if I if I don't get one of those goals accomplished, everybody will say, "Well, look, that that's okay. Look at what you did get accomplished." So, it's it's been crazy that way. But also, I'm I'm totally big picture with this one. It isn't about like the end goal is competing at world's greatest horseman someday and being a million dollar rider and working at it that way, but. I'm big picture, big vision is inspiring and encouraging and getting other people to, to chase their dreams. And I don't know, I see it kind of turning into some public speaking and going and doing uh, demonstrations (coughs) and just learning the horse, man, and seeing what it turns into. I have no idea. I want to, I want to use it to give honestly. So I've set up foundation and, be able to give people the track chairs, be able to give people You, you have the legs. foundation no, set up? No, I don't yet. Okay, um, that's a goal. Yep, that's gotcha. a goal. And let the horse help me give back to all the people that have given to me. I think all of that is attainable. And I love that, like... You know, I've 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 studied I've studied pride a lot over the last year. Like twenty twenty two for me was like on a personal level, like that is the thing that I have studied the most. And it, I talk about this all the time. People that are adamant, you know, listeners of my podcast probably get tired of you know they've heard it a couple of times. But like, there's a book, Mere Christianity, C. S. Lewis, the guy that wrote Chronicles of Narnia, and he talks about in one chapter there. Um, it's, he calls it the great sin. He's talking about pride and he leads up to it and everybody's, assume, you know, and even says like, you might assume the great sin I'm referring to sexual immorality, but compared to pride, that's a flea bite. And he talks about pride being, um, being a, uh, <clears throat> a spiritual cancer, but it's competitive at its root. Pride is competitive, you know. Not all competition is pride, but pride is competitive. You know, like when you're competing with maybe a sibling, a spouse, or just whoever in traffic when you're driving, like the other drivers, you know. like And and I started to see pride in my life. And But what you're saying is not, to me, that doesn't sound like pride. You've got a goal set, 
and you want to strive to be the best that you can be for you rather than so that these people think something about you. You've got that dog in you, as the kids are saying today. Like that's what makes you a bear that's what made you an elite bareback rider. Cause like in, in my dad I rode bareback horses for like a week. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always say you don't choose bareback riding. Bareback riding chooses you. <laughs> I got on them for longer than a week. I got on Medicine Woman in a bareback oh, rigging before she was a you know, I got on uh Jacob says it wasn't medicine woman. He thinks it was uh, another medicine, medicine, uh, big medicine Creek maybe or something, well, something like that. Either but, one of but them. I think it was, I'm Didn't you a hundred percent positive. And I got on cool water and those <laughs> That's horses rank is ones I've ever had tied my hand to is cool water. water. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, Jacobs did slap that horse out and we we're in Longview, and he was like, man, I thought you were going to die. <laughs> and I said, me too. And I, I liked the hoppers. I liked, you know, like, Cool Water came from Andrews. He also had a horse, Shady Lady. I don't know if you remember her, but, like, just a hopper. Like, I liked the hoppers. But those those eliminators, like, they would terrify me. <laughs> and that's when I – because my dad would talk about, like, bareback riders are different. And when you go in the chute, you turn into – you have to turn into someone that your own mother doesn't recognize. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you kind of do that with bronc riding, but you don't have to do it on the same level as you do bareback riding. No. And I could do it occasionally with a hopper, but an eliminator, I didn't want no part of it. An eliminator and bronc riding, like bring them on. Like yeah. I'm excited for yeah. that challenge. Let's go. And, and even and the bull riding, but but the bareback riding, like they would scare me, and I'm out. But you got that, you've got that dog in you. Of all the like kids out there that say got that dog in you, the epitome of the the saying got that dog in him like call J R Verzane the kennel because he's got the dog in him anyway <laughs> those are the ones he fed off of I mean right he made the liminaries look easy right it's, and then just like and it got you going got goosebumps thinking about it and that's what's in you that's what you're talking about bringing out in this whatever you're doing you're applying it to you used to apply it to bareback riding now you're applying it to cow horses and um I could see myself letting pride get in on my on on me because I've just done that much soul searching like hearing you talk about it like you got that bareback riding passion that you're now applying to this other thing well I'll tell you where it kind of <clears throat> came full circle for me was uh work willingly at whatever you do as though if you're working for the Lord rather than for people and so I have my selfish dreams and goals in this cow horse deal because I needed that for me, that dog or whatever you want to call it, inside yeah. of me, I need that so that I will, I serve a God of excellence. And I think uh, there's a excellence and greatness in all of us. We hold ourselves back by saying we're not good enough, not qualified enough, not whatever. Well, mm -hmm. them are all excuses. <laughs> so I have to, I, ha I realized I could I could f figure out how to run a ranch from the situation and mm -hmm. live life mediocre. I could figure out how to do leather work and go hang out with the Dustin Loftuses and all the greats and probably get really good the Ty Skyvers and get really good at leather work and live a life of mediocrity. Not saying that the excellence in those things isn't mediocrity, but that isn't all that I had inside of me, you know. 
So I had I have to treat it that serious for me. But the difference between the rodeo world that I lived in and the cow horse world is the rodeo was for me. Mm-hmm. Like that dog in me was for me. Like I always said, well, I want to be able to take the punk kids under my wing and give them Reagans like people gave to me. Like that is was one of my deals in rodeo. But it, I mean, at the root of it, I wanted to be the greatest bareback rider to ever walk the face of the planet, and I wanted gold buckles. Yeah, the cow horse deal. Nobody has expectations of me to get there. So when I do, that'll be a platform for me to say, if I can do it, you can too. <clears throat> But I had to, I had to, I had to soul search on the cow horse deal too because I very easily can get stuck in the closet and go work hard at it and show nobody and keep this little light bundled up. Actually, I watched one of the deals you said the other day about the VCR and that little blinking light, and that is what the cow horse deal is for me. Yes, sir. Lord told Jesus told his disciples to go forth, preach the message, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Yes, sir. And uh, that is what I want to do with it is I want to be able to breathe life into your deadness. I want to be able to, to cast out your doubts, your fears, your worries. I want to be able to tell you the good message. And that is it's for everybody. If you want to accept it, man, that I don't, I've not, I don't know that I've ever said it publicly. You know, you've come up in conversation occasionally, but like, I've just, I, this is probably the first time I've just said it, just like how much, how much I think about you and how inspiring you are to me. And I say that because, you know, you said like, and I, and I don't think you were trying to say this exactly, but you were talking about like you want to accomplish that, that goal for you and that will give you a platform. I think you know what I'm about to say, but like, I mean, you, you, your attitude is like, you've already got the platform, you know, like I think like that will be a cherry on top. You know, and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to say like don't go for a goal at all. That's not at all what I'm trying. Like I said, I agree with you. You got that dog in you, and you got to let that dog eat. But like the just just your attitude towards life, watching you chase that, and you're knowing your determined mindset. Like you are a unique individual. <clears throat> if you go to the NFR and the bareback riding six times, that's a unique end. Like they're not. It's like. There's like seven of y'all that do that, you know. It's like you're already. I'm. I'm not saying you're already and don't. I'm. I'm saying like. So I'm not gonna doubt your ability, your mental aptitude to go get this new goal that you've got. I'm just saying like your platform's already there and you're using it. So don't 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 just don't feel like I think you have to check any of those boxes before right, there's dude. a certain amount that- of people. That was the pride I had to swallow here not too long ago. I yeah. mean, it's it's very humbling because who am I? I mean, I barely just figured out how to stop my horse here two weeks ago. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's uh, it's very humbling and it's hard, but I'm 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 going to be more diligent about it. And I'm open to any of the doors that get open along the way. I wouldn't underestimate. I know you said you don't like to. You don't post a lot or whatever, but there are a lot, I bet. I, I'm a just assuming just there's what little I know about social media. I bet it is crazy the amount of influence you have. I bet it's insane. We get in this, I get in this warehouse every now and then, and we'll film, and we don't leave this little bitty town, and then I'll go to a booth, and there'll be like this, 
crowd of people, and I'm like, Dad, gum, those were real people out there watching all that stuff, <laughs> and they just showed up, you know? Yeah, and it cool. reminds me. And I, I, I don't know how many of those reminders you get. You know, hopefully this, me just sharing this with you is one of them, but I bet the crowd of people that are being affected by your attitude and your walk with Christ, I bet it is insane. Well, I hope so because uh, I think that's uh, what the world's lacking right now is a little bit of that. If you want to go do it, go do it. Like, if that is your real God-given true desire and passion, which mine was the cow horse deal, but as it unfolded, it at the root of the cow horse deal was the horse. I just want to know, mm-hmm. learn as many things about the horse as I could possibly learn. Like, that was the dream. So whether I get in the show pen or not, whether I get to the world's greatest horseman or not, those were just the goals that I had to selfishly set for myself so that I will work at it, that I will get out of bed in the morning with that focus, knowing the root of that is shining the light that you were talking about earlier, that... And look, I think modern-day Christianity and the church, they say that you got to be good enough to do this. I think Mm -hmm. this is something that is offered to everybody right where you're at. Mm -hmm. And that's part of my story is I've been both sides of that track. And not only in the the spiritual side, but the, like the fleshly side too. I've lived a party of a, or I've lived the life of a party rock star. (laughs) I've lived that life. And I've also spiritually been on that side of the track as I've been in the deep, deep, dark days. Mm. I've been depressed. I've doubted. I I, I mean, (laughs) it's crazy to hear myself say, I have set a goal to beat the world's greatest horseman. I mean, you, you, you think that you should watch me ride my cow horse. Like I tried doing a, we actually yesterday, we're getting ready to go show. I'm on the brinks of getting ready to go show. And, uh, so we did a practice show run yesterday. Like I've, I minus five, Aaron, so Aaron's a judge too. I minus five my first turnaround because I smooched to her and she kind of blew out of the turnaround. And then on the second one, I forgot to do three full turns. Like, uh, but I, I'm not, I was out there trying, right? Yeah. You know, so I've been like, it, and it put me in a completely different mindset doing a real practice run. Like we've been riding around. It's not that I haven't done those maneuvers for the last 90 days. It was just, holy crap, now I got to go to try to make it look pretty and right. And it put me in a whole different mindset in the practice pen yesterday, yeah. you know. So I've been, I, I deal with doubts. I mean, I'm not perfect. I got, I sin daily, you know. Yeah. And and so it's for it the, I don't know. I, I heard a good quote the other day. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Yeah. And I have felt that. And that's what I want to share. I mean, I've been. I've I've chased I've chased the worldly possessions. I've chased the I've chased the happiness in the bottom of the bottle. I've chased I've chased all of that and I've also been in depression. I've also been and I've worried. I mean, shoot, you put you end up in a wheelchair with a with a pregnant wife and wonder how the heck you're gonna be able to provide for a family and not just a wife but but a kid and I, how am I going to make her still feel loved? How am I going to be attractive? How all these things like I've, I've, yeah. I've had all those 
and still do. It's not like I have those beat. I'm still going through it also, you know? So that's my big, that's my big message is we don't, it's okay to not be okay. And you don't have to have it all figured out. If you just don't lose faith, God will show up and do what he does. And that's big things. (laughs) Damn. That's good stuff there. I get, so the, the, the Netflix show is called how to be a cowboy. And the idea for what we made the show look like was based on, I was having a conversation with one of the producers before. And I was like, I get like 20, 30, 40 messages a day on all the platforms combined of how do I get started ranching? How do I get started rodeoing? And so it's a question that we like to answer a lot on this podcast, especially when we have like guys going down the road and, and, and seasoned veterans like both of you are, but like, what would you say to someone that wants to get started rodeoing, specifically rough stock. What what advice would you have for those individuals? Me? Yeah. Uh, This has been my big message lately. If that is your desire, go do it. Do whatever it takes. I started with a 1940 noodle handle rigging and showed up. Yeah. I would not suggest that to somebody. (laughs) I, I would say go Get good equipment. Get good equipment and get in with somebody. There's pick your hero and reach out to him. And if your hero turns you down, he'll at least pass you on to somebody that will Mm -hmm. get your foot in the door. But go. Don't let anybody else tell you you can't. Don't let anybody else tell you you shouldn't. If it is what you want to do, go do it. Go get your feet wet. Go get around the guys. Don't be scared to ask questions. There's the rodeo world. So I, I, I've learned this again with the cow horse deal. It, Cause that was like, I went to a show in Douglas last July with Aaron. And, uh, so there was all these guys that I'd been watching the Chris Dawson, the Deacons, uh, Jay McLaughlin, all these guys. And it was like my permit year throwing my rigging bag next to will Lowe, bobby moe mm-hmm. west stevenson all those guys that brought back those same emotions like these guys are my heroes right so you we get when we get around our heroes we get stuck in don't be scared to go talk to them is what i would say go introduce yourself shake your hand and ask the questions what what did you see that i needed to do better at because of all the all the whatever that I've had in the sport, those guys will talk to you. They will give you advice. They will point you in the right direction. And if they don't, they're snob nose and somebody will, somebody else in the rodeo world will see you doing that and get you going the right way. Mm-hmm. So reach out to your heroes is what I would say. Do you see that? Oh, Willie. Oh, Willow. Is that, uh, <laughs> that's uh, one of my heroes right that's there. That's what yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, do you know where it is? Is that in where? Where is that? The American? Yep. <laughs> locker room, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys locker room. Smoking a cigarette back there with JB. <laughs> that guy right there, he will always be one of my heroes. So that's who. Uh, when I got hurt, he was yeah. he was 16th that year. So the, that he got he got to go. Dang. And uh, so at the NFR, they give you. 10,000 to make it that's when it's I think the year prior to that they had swapped that to they just give you a straight 10,000 or whatever well they had 
called Will and told him that they were going to split that. And he said, yeah, so it sounds good. And uh, so they they took me to Vegas. I still got all the goodies that you get or whatever. As you should. And we went out to the bareback rider dinner that night like we always did. And Will come up and give me his half. And he said, you earned it. You deserve it. This is yours. Dang. And that so they gave you half, and they gave him half because of the, and then he gave you his half. Dang. And that's the same will that I met my rookie year that threw me in his van when I was, or my rookie year at Vernon. I was up at Guyman, Oklahoma. Him and Tom and Wes and those guys in Needham Rides. They threw me in his van, and I had somewhere else to go. They said, "You take our van. We'll meet you back up." Da 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 da. Yeah. Will has always been that same Will to me. Dang. And since I since I was a nobody. I was in, uh, I was coming back from Pendleton, and uh, me, um, Sam Spreadboro, Matt Bright, and Will Love. Oh, Sammy. I have not heard that name for a while either. And uh, we were, uh, <laughs> it was funny, like we took off up that big hill, you know, and, uh, Will got in the back to go to sleep. Sam was drinking. Matt was driving. And I was on cloud nine. They saw me <laughs> that coming is like a, a rig right there. <laughs> they saw me coming from a mile away. Like they like One they had, we had to stop at the gift shop. You know, like it was like and uh like I, I'm I walk out of the gift shop. I'm already wearing the shirt. Like I'm just <laughs> pumped to be in Pendleton, you know. And uh anyways, we go up that hill. Well hit about midnight and Matt is like, All right, somebody else's turn to drive and Sam's like, I'm drunk. Well, I'm not going to crawl in the back and wake up Will Low, you know, so I was stuck with Graveyard, so I drove all night, and um, sun started coming up about 7 o'clock, and uh, Will crawls out of the back, and he jumps up there, and Matt and Sam are asleep, and, and uh, he starts telling stories, and it was my turn to switch, but like he, I was like, I'm going to freaking listen to Will Low tell stories all day, and so that's what I did, and we, we dropped him off in Canyon, and it had worked out where like I owed him like a hundred bucks for fuel, just the way everybody was. And I was like, Hey, here, let me get. And he was like, no, it's all good. It'll come out in the wash. And that was the last thing he said. And then he, you know, took off and we left and I don't know. I always remembered that. And, uh, that was, I was just a fan of him ever since, you know, like I, I knew him and I was a fan of, you know, it was, you know, the low rider and they would, you know, the wolf pack, but then, uh, that happened and, Rodrigo snaps took that picture That's a sick picture. and I messaged him and I was like, I, that is bad. And he just, he sent me that as a gift. And I, but that picture, that is cool. The like pay to me a willow right there. <laughs> yeah. Like I do not think smoking cigarettes is cool unless it's willow and JB Mooney <laughs> in a no smoking area at the American when in the Dallas Cowboys locker room. Yeah. <clears throat> but what advice do you have, Sage, for some young guys coming up wanting to get started? Yeah, just what Jr. said, you know, never give up. You know, shoot, go for your dreams and just um, stay humble doing it too, you know. I mean, have the right attitude and um, just be, be a good guy and inside and outside the arena, you know. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Go to school. I mean, there's so many of them Absolutely. now, you know. Like Jr. said, get around – the guys you like, your idols, and yeah, 
you can Google schools now, you know, they, right. and they have plenty of free schools. But here's an here's another thing too. I've learned like so, like part of this cow horse deal. So I, I, it all worked out. <laughs> can you hear right? Yeah. Uh, it uh. So I had to buy an expensive horse, like one that worked for me. Like so, it yeah. was probably it was a. She was already trained. There's yeah. been a training transition because she's had to learn how to operate under me. But I had to swallow some pride because I'd never I'd trained them trained my own my whole life, you know, and so I had to think of okay, well. The Colts are going to be what pays for this horse, or can I win enough to pay for yeah. this horse? And I had to get to the spot where this is my college tuition that I never paid for. Yeah. Because I needed one that was going to teach me how to relearn my feel, how to ride again, da 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 da, and how to get to what I wanted to be able to start applying to the next one coming up. Right. So you'll look at a school and it might be a thousand bucks. Yep. But that is an investment on yourself. That's how I had to look at this cow horse. I'm buying this horse. That That is an investment on in myself. She's going to teach me how to ride. But not only that, this could be the foundation of my business or, or the foundation of my foundation or whatever. She doesn't have to pay herself off. That's an investment on myself. So if you really want to do it, don't look at the price tag. Go sacrifice. Go mow lawns and save up for the school to go learn from the greats, to go... To go get around your heroes or whatever, don't worry about the price tag. Go save up and go get the best help mm -hmm. that you can, mm -hmm. right? Man, I don't think you should underestimate, like, your... Like, I would love to hear... Like, I could sit and listen to you talk all day. Like, if you just, like, turn the camera on, like... Like I said, I wouldn't. I also, if I were you, wouldn't get too wrapped up in the number of views it got because I bet every single view would be somebody that was just like, dang. dang. Like, I don't know. I just, I think you have, like, I think about some, I mean, this is maybe like podcast, like 135. And I'm like, dad, gum, who am I to give anybody advice when there's somebody like J.R. Verzane out there that has this kind of wisdom? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. That's just a, that's just a hot take. I feel, lucky. I feel lucky to hang out with him every day, you know? Like, he inspires me to be better every day. Like That's real inspiration. Yeah. That is real stuff. Like, being able to spur barking horses is super cool. Being able to watch somebody, like, dunk a basketball or whatever is super cool. But to, like, and to, to truly endure suffering and rejoice in suffering. I'm not saying, like, it's all sunshine and rainbows for you. But just to be able to return back to that and come back to that and just have that sort of attitude. That's that's actual inspiration. You know, like I get what I get to do is fun and it's comedy and I think it helps a lot of people. Absolutely. But like when the when when the when the hits the fan in their life, they're gonna pull up a Dale Brisby video to escape from it. They're gonna pull up a J.R. Verzane video to get through it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would think. Yes anyway. and yes and no. Yeah. I don't know. You look at the root of Dale Brisby stuff and you're shining a light, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I, and I'm I'm not I, trying to I, just I, I take the compliment also <laughs> and I appreciate the compliment and it I 
sit over here and shake my head because it's that's uh, it's humbling. But I I did. I, I mean, I I start taking that as a compliment, and the guy sitting next to me says that he feels lucky to sit next to me. Well, there's been plenty of days that he's pulled me out of the dump, so I feel yeah. lucky to have him as my brother-in-law. We're talking about the guy that's freaking load my wheelchair in the back of the pickup. That's yeah. helping helping his sister out whenever she gets tired of putting up with me. That's all the things, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know. I uh, it isn't uh, the multitude of people we save. It might just be one that yeah, J.R. Bazane is out to save. Yeah, it sir. might just be one that Del Brisby is out to save. What uh, what really intrigued me on going big big picture with the cow horse deal was uh, the suicide rate with people in a wheelchair that end up re- in a wheelchair, and it was like some big number 60 percent or something dang and i understood i understand why but i want to be the one that knocks that number down a little bit yeah and whether that's one percent or 50 percent, i have no idea it's not my job to worry about that my job is to worry about work diligently and keep shining the light like you said the other day so don't underestimate yourself look at the following you got you bet you're doing good works with it man it ain't you might think that it's it's to escape from their suffering or whatever but it might be that they're way too serious and they need to learn how to super punch or freaking laugh at themselves or Find the humor in in this the situation that's drowning them, right? Absolutely. So don't underestimate yourself. No, there's a there's a reason that. you have that big of a following, and mm-hmm. there's a reason that uh, that you have what you got going on because I and bringing a lot of kids into the Western way of Western way of yeah, life. Look, you guys are getting in the Western way of life. The world and, needs more of that. Dang <clears> right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, here you are. That's what I'm talking about. Here you are. Like you're just you're inspiring again. Like I love it. I appreciate that. Um, I got a. I got my one of my favorite uh, Dale Brisby stories. Uh, Clint Lay and I were traveling, and we we were at Austin, and Dale Brisby was just becoming Dale Brisby. Yeah, and Dale Brisby made the short round at Austin that year in the Bronc riding. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Clint Lay and I seen Dale Brisby in the locker room, and we were asking, "Hey, is that is that Dale?" No, I don't think so. That can't be. It can't, <laughs> it can't be Dale. I think it is. It looks like him. So we get out to the where they have the uh, rigs parked or whatever after yeah. the rodeo, and I don't know. I don't know if he had heard it or if somebody had heard it or whatever, but. Or maybe one of us asked. Oh, actually, I think... Oh, I asked. I asked. Clint, because, yeah, we all know Clint. He wouldn't dare me to do it, and I would do it, you know? So, I think I went up my ass. I said, are you, are you Dale? No. And, and uh, then as you drove off, you said, hey, fellas, you know what you do when life hands you a lemon? We said, what? Throw a bull rope on him. Oh, I knew it. I knew that was Dale. I knew that was Dale. And drove off. Yeah, I'll never forget it. <laughs> Oh, jeez. That's funny. That is funny. Yeah. I got hurt that night. And uh, that horse um, mashed me in the chute. And I was riding. That was the best I'd 
been riding my whole, like I was finally, Cliff Todd came up to me afterwards. He was like, man, you're fine. Cause he had seen me fall off. You know, he's like, you're, you're, you're spurring them. And I was like feeling good. I didn't know I got hurt that night, but it herniated three discs in my lower back. Mm. And, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring this up at all, you know, just cause it's, and, uh, anyhow, had to have a couple back surgeries and, uh, ended up, took me out for like two years. Cause like just the, the healing of it. Like I would like, if I stood up right now, like I would like walk bent over, you know, for, if I sat down for 30 minutes, I'm walking bent over with it, you know, and I, I started falling off of horses after that, trying to ride them. And anyway, took me out. Well then like rodeo time really took off during those two years nobody knew i was hurt you know <clears throat> tried tried to come back uh broke my collarbone and uh got it healed tried to come back and turned out it didn't heal had to have surgery tried to come back uh dislocated my shoulder <laughs> got that healed tried to come back started feeling that that back injury had pain in my calf tried to come back here recently more pain in my calf not as bad as it was but now pain in my hip it affects my my spurring like on my left side I I can't I'll hit I'll miss every other like it'll just catch catch and uh went and got a went and got a uh, an MRI the other day he said severely herniated discs in all different directions. In the back? In my back. Still. <laughs> Dang. So but like I'm I'm just I was I got the news and I just I just laughed, you know, like it's like God kinda hitting pause on this on my rodeo arena, you know? Mm-hmm. And but like nobody knows it. Like and that's why I'm so intrigued. That's why these questions is part of the reason maybe why I think about you so often, but like just your attitude, you know, and I, I, I'm not sad. Like God blessed me. Like I do not think like, like I'm just think because it's like God has put like this, this very black and white. You need to take a break for this long. You need to take a break for this. Well, it could be worse. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like nobody even knows I'm hurt. Like, if I have this pain that I'm, like, I can feel it right now. If I have this pain for the rest of my life, like, I will still be grateful. Like, it could be way worse. But um, there's no end to that story. That's just where I'm at today. I freaking love that feeling of, like, I'll get on here at the house. We don't film it. We don't nothing. I just, I do it for me. Like, Mm -hmm. the last couple times I get on, like, my brother would walk up, and I'd get down over this horse and I just get emotional and I just, I have to crawl out, you know, and it looks like I'm second guessing it or I'm scared. Like if you saw a young guy, but like, I just, I'm literally crying, just thinking about my dad, my brother's there thinking about this moment of riding a bucking horse. And, uh, it just, I just get overwhelmed. I have to get out and get back in and start over, you know, but I'm able to do it, you know, and there's glimpses on a hopper. I'm fine on a hopper. I'm fine. But like I got a, I got on meatloaf at, or, uh, what's that meat something of Corco's? Meat cracker. No, meat, meat something at, uh, 
of Corcos at Los Fresnos. Uh-huh. And um, big, big horse. Big and, sorrel horse? Yeah, big sorrel horse. Oh, yeah. I know Felt great on my right side. My left side just like dinked. Yep. I can't think of it. And uh, meat coma. Meat coma, yeah. Meat coma. Kind of big, strong. Big, big horse. Yep. And those will, you know, like I, I, but it was all I could do yep. to, to, to get a qualified ride on this horse. And I was a few points, but it just, I don't know. That That's what intrigues me about. I just, just got me thinking, doing a lot of praying. And, but I'm so grateful. Like, dude, well, I'm. It's, it's a, it's hard. It's catch 22, right? Like that, those emotions you talk about, like. All the greats, all the guys that uh, that rodeo for a living, that make careers out of it, they all have that feeling, right? That's what's at the root of, I think, all good rough stock guys is that <coughs> you take the crowd away, yeah. you take the money away. You take the announcer away. You take the, all that away. The love of the sport. You might lose a couple guys, <clears throat> but I guarantee you, you wouldn't lose very many. They'd still show up and get on yeah. because of that feeling, that unexplainable. Something about crawling over the chute and just yeah. running your hand in and. Well, here's here's actually, you know, it's uh, I've done a lot of like, why did I crave rodeo? I had I had to ask myself, why, why, why bear record riding? Why rodeo? Why that thing? And I, you have to get. So, I think that's another reason, like, why I've never been pissed off that this happened to me because I you always know that this is a possibility. Mm Right, you always know that this can happen. You never think it's going to happen to you. So where do you, where along the line did I get to? I know plenty of people that have died in the sport. Mm-hmm. Right, so you have to get so comfortable in and near death, yeah, experience situation. every time you crawl in that bug yeah. and shoot. Right, yeah. and I think that's the unexplainable feeling that you get of it's I don't know like I just conquered the beast feeling or I whatever, but really it is I just escaped death and yeah made a qualified ride right yeah <laughs> you know and having fun doing it and having fun doing it like we're all yeah. a bunch of buddies. nut jobs yeah. you know like, yeah yeah exactly I, crazy I just. I remember as a kid, and I remember even, you know, my dad got on a lot as I was older, which I love. Um, but he would just pull his hat down, and it would crimp his ears just a little bit. And that, that, that image of him is just ingrained in my, in my brain. And, you know, even when he wasn't riding, you know, he died picking up. Like, if he wasn't riding, he was picking up. And he just, he had to at least be next to a bucking horse, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he just had rough stock in his core. He could team rope, but he just, he just, and yeah, you're right. Like, that's why I would never even ask you, like, do you regret it? Because I know the answer. Absolutely not. Yeah. And what little 
pain I have. Like, I don't, you know, I know I don't, you know, and I just, anyway. It's that love. The love of that, that feeling. Yeah. I always said when I was retired, well, I used to think about retirement. And not that I was about to retire or anything, but what am I going to do? Because you always hear your whole career, well, this is such a young man's game. So I'd think, well, am I going to... After rough stock, after bareback riding is done, am I going to rope or am I still yeah. going to rodeo or what am I going to do? And I, I always had envisioned that I would buy some little dink hopper, some, oh gosh, you know which one I always thought would be perfect is that one that uh, J Bar J had, a bar bandit or one yeah. of those little hoppers it, that was done uh, at, or, you know, at the end of their career. I'd buy one of those and I would just pamper it. Yeah. So that whenever I had that craze, yes. Yes. run it in, whether it was after a cup of coffee in the morning or whatever, yep. because that is what you miss. Yep. That is what I miss. Absolutely. I got one I of miss those. I seeing my buddies on the daily and my rodeo yeah. family and that core of like, yeah, NFR is great. The, there's no rodeo that can p- compares to the NFR. Those big wins are great. Nothing compares to those big breakthrough moments, right? But at the core of all of that, that just crawling over, running your hand and sliding up, nodding your head and knocking out of the ballpark. The fight. That fight is what I miss. The fight. Damn. Yeah. I had zero intention of bringing that up, but that's you brought up that night. And I saw Cliff Todd at Houston. And he brought up that night, like a month ago. He was like, man, you started Spurring Bronx, and then I didn't see it no more. And I was like, well, funny thing. He's like, I saw you in Austin, and you spurred that. And I was like, it's funny you bring up that night, Cliff. It's kind of changed my life. But it was uh, Red Wings of okay. yeah. of uh, yeah. of Benny's. Yeah. And I should have known better because Benny is running the neck rope. Yeah. Rhett was flanking, and they both were like, dude, take your time in here. Well, I don't take my time. I'm rolling forward, you know, like that's my and he and he freaking mashed the crap out of me. Well, I liked it. Kind of get you going a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And you get a free roll and yeah. you know, and I'm and I was like, I freaking Let's loved go. it. Yeah. But it, it caused an injury that <clears throat> and maybe it was already kinda bad and that made it worse. I don't know. But anyway, and uh I'm not saying I was about to go to the end like I'm not saying any of that, but I was gonna keep going. Yeah. Right. I was going to keep nodding my head at least. I'm yeah. not saying I would have even, you know, like whatever, but like. Anyways, that's bronc riding. I've always been the greatest of all time in the bull riding. <laughs> we all know that. But anyway, um, you have been a huge inspiration to me. I am pre- very much appreciate you sharing your story. I very much appreciate you answering those questions. I wasn't sure if I was even going to ask them, and then it just led to where it led. I'm so glad. I hope that, I hope that you know, it's fun for you to – or I hope it's rewarding is probably a better word for you to, to know that you're, you know, inspiring so many people. You know, I know that it's funny that you said that about the one, because like when I first started putting out videos, I felt obligated to preach. It's like, I've always felt like I had to be the guy behind the shoots, you know, doing that. Let's all pray, you know? And, um, my, my pastor, I also wanted to respect the fact that God made me a comedian in this space because I came about it not by accident, but I didn't plan what my job is today. 
well, I'm a comedian in the rodeo industry. You know, I didn't set out to do that, but that's essentially where I've, where God put me. And so like, I was like, but I felt this tension cause I felt like I needed to preach and Jamin Roller, he's like been my accountability partner. I call him my preacher and he's like, man, I think you need to, you know, be a Christian in that space. Absolutely. But also know that your, your ministry might, the bulk of that might be like one-on-one like with the interns or with this mm-hmm. one person at a booth or maybe max that I'm Snapchatting, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the belly to belly stuff might be your core ministry. It may not be, you know, a viral video, you know, cause anybody can say something. Anybody can say something on the internet, essentially, you know, it's how, and I think back to Alexandria, Louisiana, Heath Demos was there. This has been 13, 14 years ago. And I, I've had that moment. I was like, I got to, and he was there. And I just shared a quick word, prayed. And then Heath was like, hey, man, that's a really good word. And they walked off. He probably doesn't remember it. But I remember I remembered that. Well, anyways, my point is, is like, he probably doesn't remember what I said that night. But after having a friendship with Heath for 13, 14 years since then, he's probably gotten, he's watched me live my life. Well, the way I live my life is way more a ministry to Heath than what I said that night. Because anybody can, I mean, I could plagiarize John Piper, John MacArthur, Matt Chant. Like, I can just say their sermons over and over. Like, all that takes is having a good memory or maybe reading. But, like, how we live our lives is what the real ministry is. Absolutely. So crazy that you're hitting on that because you're speaking to me right now. So I... uh I went down a road of destruction for a while, and I came back in, uh, well, so I, I broke my back the first time in 2015 up at Cloverdale and had a horse smash me. And I grew up, we weren't like every Sunday churchgoers, but we weren't far off either, you know. And it wasn't shoved down our throat, but I grew up in very Christian spiritual home and was led in the right direction. <clears throat> and I still, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a typical Luke 15.9. I've, I've been the lost sheep that has come back, right? And so I spent the next, the last three years of my rodeo life really working on myself. And I, I, I'd quit drinking, I'd quit partying, I'd quit doing that, that way of life. And um, I lost some friends over it. And it was, it was kind of, it was a growing phase, right? And then... Um, and, and, and I don't know, I, uh, like I'm very non-judgmental because there isn't anything that I have, haven't done (laughs) as far as the bads that you shouldn't do, right? So, but there's, through my life, I've always wondered if I should be doing more. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should be doing more for the Lord. I feel like I should be the guy doing the Bible study behind the buck and shoots. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I never, I, I, I just, I wasn't that yet. I wasn't, and it wasn't, I, I'm anybody that asked me, I was bold enough to tell you what I believed and I was bold enough to tell you my faith, but I wasn't a preacher quote unquote. And I was always worried about what is my real calling. And I, I had the, I'll freaking give everything to you, Lord. I'll quit rodeo and I'll quit. I'll sell all my stuff. I'll move to Africa and be a missionary if you mm-hmm. want me to, if that's what you want me to do. So I had this roller coaster deal. 
And <laughs> since the wreck, and especially last year, um, so I turned 31 this February. So the year I turned 30, I did a lot of soul searching. And it wasn't that all of a sudden I felt old, but it was all of a sudden I felt like maybe I should have my life way more figured out than I actually do. <laughs> right? Yeah. So... I started really soul searching why I am the way I am and why I believe the way I believe and, and all these things. And that led into, so I got, I got the same. I got, uh, we have, a um, uh, another podcast, the cowboy connection. It's just four of us, four of my Christian mentors. One's a, has a youth ministry in Matitsi. One's a pastor of a little itty bitty 30 people congregation church in Grass Range, Montana. One's a, an accountant in Miles City and then me. And it was stemmed from, um, they do some Bible camps, some bi- rodeo Bible camps and, uh, the band of brothers and iron and sharpening iron. And with the COVID and all the stuff that went down, it was, it was talked about. We need to be having these regular get togethers. Well, covid made that very easy with zoom and all the things right so we just started having weekly bible studies and putting them turning them into a podcast that's legitimately what it is it's just yeah bible studies on podcasts well that when we started that it was a shift in me because i was like i learned right away like we need to quit being so worried about our calling ephesians 4 1 says i hope that you find or that you live a life worthy of your calling and the calling is to know God. Once I realized that, like the Lord just wants me to know him. How do I know him? Hang out with him. Yeah. Read my word and spend some time in prayer, right? And around like-minded people that'll drive me to be better. And once I realized that, I took the pressure off. What is my ministry? What is my calling? What is whatever? And (laughs) Lord, (laughs) Come help me get better in this area. I'm I'm broken. I need I need delivered from this. I, I'm a I'm a sinner or whatever you know. And that once once you're filled with that, the the actions and the works that you do from that are the result of being f- connected to the vine, right? So w- when we started that podcast. It was, I don't know if we'll get that many people to listen. And it wasn't very many that I said, I don't care if anybody listens to it because this is for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I, I don't even care if we have listeners. I, yeah, that's I need how this I feel for today. Me, yeah, you know? exactly. So then, then like I started getting, so I, I grew up Christian. I grew up going to youth group. I grew up going to these church camps, whatever. But I also grew up the kid that at 12 years old was chewing Copenhagen and hiding it from mom. You right. Know? So I was a good kid growing up, but I've done my fair share of rebellion too, you know. Yes, sir. And I still live life that way. Like, I'm still a good enough Christian, but I still teeter on that line of, you bet. You know, like, uh, it, yeah, it's same. not an easy walk, you know, I and I don't think it... It, I don't think it's supposed to be. That's The enemy's always trying to still kill and dis- destroy our joy and hope and peace and patience, right? So I'd, I got to where I was studying the Bible pretty regularly. I read it front to back and, and was really trying to— and, and I had read Scripture. I had the YouVersion Bible app and did the daily devotionals and those things. But the last— four and a half years I've learned how to study the word and really delve in and that sort of thing so then I got to saying um in myself I was like well I got pretty 
one of the things I lack the most is being able to recite scripture, right? Like those good guys do. Like they just pull up a scripture for whatever problem you have. Like I've never been that guy. Thank yeah. goodness for Google, right? Right. <laughs> but I do. I bury that word in my heart. So when you have something, I can Google it quick or whatever. So I got to always saying, well, people started coming to me for advice and for, for, okay, for, uh, for some scriptural advice and this sort of thing. And I'd always say, well, I'm not a preacher, but here's what I've learned and here's how I would look at it because I believe the Bible is the truth. I believe uh-huh. that every word in there is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And um, so I started soul searching my own life problems and finding the truth out about them is how I could then present those to others. Well, I don't know how necessarily to fix your problem, but I can relate to it in this aspect. And here's what I learned. Here's how I found peace. Here's how I found joy. Here's how I, whatever the situation was, right? Well, then it came full circle because I still was like, well, I don't know if I'm doing enough. Like I'm just in Melstone, Montana, punching cows, wanting to do what I want to do, you know? And I'm not a preacher, but I'm not a preacher, but well, we were at, uh, we were at, uh, the, Bible camp in uh, Mile City um, over uh, um, Thanksgiving, this last Thanksgiving. And Bill asked me, he says, hey, when are you going to come preach at my church? And I stopped, and I said, well, I'm not a, well, I guess I am a preacher. Yeah. We have put preacher as the pastor of the church, right? Right. And that sort of thing. It It's not. Like, so how I, like, what, what it was super powerful, man. When I went up there and I did that deal, they laid their hands on me and they're like, I, I just, I had this feeling. I was like, I think this is the start of my ministry. And I, I don't know how, I don't know how it's supposed to look. I don't know what it's going to turn into, whatever. And the more that I seek it out and search it out is go forth, man. And yeah, it, uh, your actions preach louder than your words. Yeah. So Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. So, I don't, I get a disciple sage here quite a bit, and there's very seldom any time that I am shoving scripture down his throat. Mm -hmm. You can ask him. (laughs) He sees me live it, and he sees me fail to live it too, Mm -hmm. and he sees me go, man, that was a mistake, and I'm going to fix that, and I'm going to be better next time, and he sees me grow, Mm -hmm. and he also sees me give, and he also sees me help others and he also sees me do what the bible tells me to do because i want to not because i have to yes then that creates opportunities for me to shine the light and my crowd are the derelicts because i've been one and i really am one at heart (laughs) right like i've done more preaching in a in a bar room than I ever have at a church, to be honest with you. And it might not even be sharing scripture. It might just be by showing up and having a good attitude in a dark place. Yeah. And not drinking a beer. Yeah. In a dark place or whatever, you know, my actions, our actions preach just as loud as our words. And a lot of times our actions are what opened the door for me to share the good news of why I am the way I am or why I'm doing what I'm doing or whatever. So absolutely on yes. that. I I've had to learn that recently too that our life is a ministry whether it's show up and 
work hard at your job or do the rodeo time as your job, it might be the one person it was inspiring and encouraging to me today to hear you say that I'm an inspire that I'm an inspiration and encouragement. Like today was needed for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you saying all that. <clears throat> I might do wrap it up. I might do like one more just little three or four minute deal. I got a um I do the Bible studies. I'll text out videos. It's like, it's an unlisted thing. It's like a little Bible study people can sign up for. So I may do at the end of this, just get your, get your just hot take on maybe your favorite scripture or whatnot. Just kind of a, it's a, it's something I send out on Sundays, but cool. uh, we might do that right after this, but <clears throat> appreciate both of you guys coming. We're about to go buck some stock on the beaches and, um, on to the next one. Then we're on to the next one. And the next one for you is um, Logandale. Logandale. You got a good one? Uh, yes, sir. I think I got uh, one of Moxa's. Um, they call it Black Magic. I think it's a younger horse, but, yeah, it looks pretty yeah. good. Shoot, yeah. Yes, sir. <coughs> good work. Then get started with these spring rodeos. Yep. Yes, it's about time of year. About to get busy. About to get busy. It'll be good. How long has Dale Brisby been your guys' rodeo hero? 2013. Ever since I can remember. Why 2013? Well, that was the first time that I heard of Dale Brisby. I heard he was the best, and my heroes have always been the best. Now we, now we have witnessed it. So I gotta ask, how's your mom? She's good. <laughs> I don't know, Dale, how is she? <laughs> Who's your second favorite bull rider of all time? My brother-in-law, Nevada Newman. J.B. Mooney's yeah, pretty Mooney. hard not to be a fan of. J.B. Mooney's right there. I'm biased, though. Family, Nevada. What does it take for a guy to get who's just going down the road or just getting on bucking horses? What does it take for that guy to take it to the next level? Honestly, just no quit. Just keep going. Um, you're going to have some ups and downs, but just keep her on and have fun with it. I would say we've kind of talked about it a couple times today, but the uh, always go back to your basics. So you got to start with the basics. You got to get your basi basics perfected, per se, quote unquote. It's always the never ending battle is perfecting your basics, right? Then to go to the next level is the next perfection of your basics. So don't weaken, don't quit, keep going. Whatever ain't working, get knowledge and wisdom, outside wisdom to push you to the next level. And whenever you do go through them, Whenever you have them breakthrough seasons and get in them slumps, keep it simple and go back to the basic. When in doubt, spur your way out. When in doubt, spur your way out. What advice would you have for somebody who uh, has never rodeoed but wants to? What advice would I have? Uh, go find a different job. <laughs> no. Uh, if it's your passion, you'll be willing to sacrifice to work at it. Don't be scared of the hard work. We don't, we're not born NFR qualifiers. We're not born NFR champions. That all takes work and requires hard work. So don't be scared of the hard work and put the work in. If you'll put the work in before the rodeo, working on those basics we were talking about, if you'll put the work in before the rodeo, you'll show up in the rodeo, at the rodeo and win. Prepared. So get after it. Practice, ride your spur boards, ride your bucket machines, work out whatever it takes to put the work in. Well, my favorite NFR moment would probably be, you know, when you first step into Thomas and Mack. And, I mean, that's, you get the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. And, I mean, it's just an unreal experience. But my favorite experience there probably was, yeah, winning the first round there, first go-around last year. And, um, yeah, you just can't explain it. Just 
different feeling. I have a couple that stick out for me. The uh, stepping in, so you show up two days before, you get your back number, it all kind of sinks in. You know you've made the finals the 1st of October. It doesn't really sink in. You show up, you get your back number, it sinks in a little bit more, and then you show up for grand entry practice and you step on the back of the yellow buck and shoots. And that's where all your dreams have come true, your hard work's paid off, and then it's you think it's sunk in, and then they roll them fire-breathing dragons in the first time. And there's no feeling that can explain that first i'm here at the big show all those dreams and goals and stuff are coming to fruition at that moment and you slide in it's like going back to your very first one yeah i blacked out i didn't even remember my first one and end up getting a rewrite it was that much emotion just the very first time then i had a you think the go-round wins are going to come easy because you're one of the best, right? And I never won my first go-round until the last round of the first, this is kind of a funny one actually, till the, um, till the 10th round. And at the 10th round, the average winner gets to take the, take the victory lap. But I have the video, I go back there, I'm waiting to get on my victory lap for us. Well, Casey Fielded won the average that year, so the, they're coming in and here comes Casey. And I'm thinking, well, shoot, I thought I won the round. I thought they announced that. Well, my first go-round win was in the 10th round, and then I never won another one until... 2017 on Scarlet Bella Pickets, and that was another pretty memorable, memorable NFR moment for me was the second go-around win, because I went four years, or three years, of not winning around down there to then finally again winning around, so. I've been to all the rodeos out there, none of them compared to that one. I don't care what anybody says. The American, Calgary, the Houstons, the, they're all great rodeos, don't get me wrong, but none of them compared to those yellow buck and shoots. It's a undescribable feeling that place what's your favorite like memory outside the arena going down the road honestly just traveling with your buddies and just um having fun i mean that's that's what it's all about and that's what you got to do to rodeo i feel like i mean you gotta you gotta have some fun and just the memories you make going down the road with your buddies i mean watch whatever you're doing having days off and going to the lake or you know anything like that you know oh. I mean, there's too, is, too many to name, but... So I got hurt in 2018, so four and a half years ago, and I was talking about it earlier today. I don't miss rodeoing as far as sit, being away from home for 200 days, da-da-da-da-da, all the, all the things that they think rodeo cowboys, oh, well, geez, it's such an easy job, right? All the, all the hard work that goes into getting to the top and staying at the top, like, I don't miss that, but I miss the... Comrade. the pals that I made on the road so my favorite rodeo memory outside of the arena is every moment that I was in that world because we're that that's all you have left after after you're done rodeoing are the memories you made with the family and the friends and the contractors and the, all the wild stories you go ask anybody on the rodeo world about me they'll tell you from inappropriate to appropriate wild rodeo memories but those are things that the buckles, what do they say? The buckles fade, or the glory fades, and the buckles get dusty, but those memories are what you hold They're on forever. to forever. That, the, that's still my family. Those are still the guys that call me and hang out, and that I am still making memories with today outside of the rodeo world. So I treat it just like I would at a rodeo. I do everything, you know, you have a kind of a routine. I mean, you, you know, do your deal and warm up, um, you know, and just, just like I treat it just like a rodeo pretty much. I mean, that's, that's what you're. That's did you get on a lot of practice horses, or do you get on a lot? I, I mean, I did in high school, but I mean, lately, no. I, I mean, I, I will if I need to. I feel like you know, if, if I need to, I will. But 
I, you probably, you've seen me. I well, mean, what do shoot, I do? A, in the beginning stages, you have to. You do, yeah. You get on a ton of practice horses. Once you get to rodeoing professionally for a living, you're getting on a horse every day through the summer, and at the winter, you might get on three or four and have four or five days off. So, need for practice horses once you've got there might not be as high. But these guys are are riding spur boards, they're riding bucking machines, they're yes. riding spur out horses, whatever, to stay tuned up. And if they have to get bugs worked out or whatever or if at the end of the season in preparation for the finals you go get on practice horses to get in riding shape or yep. or whatever else but i always said any practice horse that i got on slid up like it was my last one this is the real deal this is the rodeo this is I want this to be my best ride that I've ever made. Every time I got on a practice horse, it wasn't no joke. It was, I want this ride to be the best ride that I've ever made. Because if I can duplicate that, if I can perfect making those type of rides when I show up to the rodeo, I'll win. I'll make perfect rides is the goal, right? So every time I got on a practice horse, I treated it like it was the rankest thing I'd ever been on and I wanted it to be the perfect best ride I'd ever made. What's your favorite pair of jeans, Sage? My favorite pair of jeans would have to be the rock and roll vintage. You like reflex? Yeah, I like that reflex. <laughs> Dale, the Dale Brisby. You like the Dale Brisby. Well, ones. well, Dale, yeah. Oh, Dale, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get a shot of that. Right <laughs> on to the next one, old son. Pow, pow. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, text uh, Bible to 940-353-0890 if you want to hear that uh, that we're going to put out. And uh, follow Sage Newman. Follow uh, J.R. Verzane on Instagram. Pow, pow, and on to the next one, old son. 